0: This is Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls. On a recent episode of our program, we explored the debate over violence in video games and asked what impact violent video gaming might have on our notions of conflict resolution and on levels of aggression in society. Some say it's a significant problem, that effects are real and antisocial, and that violent games should be more tightly regulated. Others think the concern over negative effects of violence in video games is overstated and that the games have problem-solving and role-playing benefits for players. Today on Peace Talks Radio, we talk with the co-creator of a video game that is explicitly about nonviolence. To win this game, you have to craft a strategy against an oppressor that will bring about change without resorting to violence. Ivan Marovich has some first-hand experience at this. He was one of the founders of the Serb student resistance movement that helped remove Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic from power in 2000 without violence. He's since been active with the International Center on Nonviolent Conflict, which helps human rights activists around the world organize pro-democracy movements and overcome repressive governments. Ivan Marovich was also a consultant in the development of a strategy computer game called A Force More Powerful, which teaches players how to employ nonviolent tactics to confront oppression and get results. From his office in Washington, D.C., Marovic says players get to pick one of ten fictional scenarios to play in this game called A Force More Powerful.
1: We try to make a wide range of potential conflicts so that scenarios that player can choose from range from... uh, uh, a military junta or a classic dictatorship uh, military occupation to uh, let's say short uh, short range uh, campaigns uh, against for instance a mayor that is corrupt in a city or uh, struggles for women's rights uh, workers rights or, for instance, uh, situations of uh, scenarios of backsliding democracy, you know, democracy where h- human rights and democratic standards are deteriorating.
0: And these scenarios were based on real movements, right, from places like where?
1: All these, all these scenarios are influenced by the real events that happened in the last 30 to 40 years around the globe. We did put them as fictional because we didn't want people to say, you know, well, it wasn't really like that. It was different in our country. But it is influ- influenced and inspired by uh, conflicts, nonviolent conflicts that took place in Chile, that took place in uh, the American South in the 50s, the conflicts that took place in Serbia and in Ukraine, then uh, places like South Africa, India, India. Uh, uh, when Gandhi fought the British uh, occupation, and Philippines and many other places around mm-hmm. the world. We try to kind of uh, condense the atmosphere in this political situation in these countries and try to replicate them on a fictional level. So uh, the, when player plays a, a scenario, uh, he will play uh, in countries called Sereno or... You know, something like that. It's it, right. it, it, it's, it's all fictional. But but uh, people who who know about these uh, conflicts, they will recognize, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the similarities.
0: I want to get into a discussion about the game in just a second, but I'm curious: where did you learn effective nonviolent strategies yourself?
1: Mm, learning by doing. <laughs> we were uh, back in Serbia uh, in, in in the in the nineties when we were faced with a, with a pretty brutal dictatorship. And on our end, we seemed to ourselves pretty powerless. So uh, we tried to kind of uh, figure out a way how to respond with the with the power that we did have. And that was in in the end, it turned out it was people power and just ordinary people that form a broad-based movement. So when we were sitting there and and figuring out what to do, we looked back in history and around the globe to see what other people did when they were faced uh, with uh, similar problems. So you did do
0: research yes it, it, and, and uh, while you were engaged in this and yeah.
1: it was yeah, and it was a combination of trial and error, and looking back at other movements uh, looking at back at places like Poland and the solidarity movement, uh, I already mentioned Chile and you know some other places and after after a couple of years, we realized actually that what we really need is a strategic approach that it's not just like copying things that other other movements did or trying to uh, through trial and error. To find the best tactic, but actually to establish a strategy that is going to uh, increase the effectiveness of all the of all the tactics that we may use. And when I say tactics, I think about strikes, boycotts, street protests, and and, and any other forms of mass uh, nonviolent resistance.
0: Right, right. Um, your office kindly sent me a copy of the video game of Force More Powerful, and I didn't have a lot of time with it, but I did put it in, and I started consulting the instruction booklet. And just to get a grasp of how it works, I'd say I'd spent about an hour of really hard thinking and learning before I could even set the game in motion. My first lesson from A Force More Powerful was that to strategize social change nonviolently really takes patience, deep thought, and empathy, and it's not an easy path, is it?
1: You, you are right. I think that this is this is exactly what 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 the game tries to encapsulate, and this is exactly what the nonviolent movement is. When you try to to dig deeper and to see what is happening in a nonviolent movement. Because usually what people see as outside observers is, uh, you know, they turn turn on a television and then they see hundreds of thousands of people in the street or they see some outburst of of nonviolent action. But the things that are done in the preparation of that are usually left uh, unnoticed. And this is exactly what, what the game tries to... To focus on because w- the game is aimed for people who are, who want to be not just activists, but also planners and strategists of social change. So that at the very beginning, when, when there is no movement, when there is only, you know, social problem that needs to be solved, that they uh, actually can grasp all the details that need to be addressed in this struggle. And to think about uh, things like how they are reached to different constituencies, mm-hmm. how they reach out to the elements of the opponent to what we call pillars of support of the opponent, different institutions and organizations that actually keep the, the, the opponent intact and how to reach out to them, and how to uh, reach out to the potential supporters and and mobilize them, and how to include them in the process of decision-making of what what needs to be done. And these are all very important issues that need to be addressed, and if they're addressed correctly in a coherent and, uh, let's say, feasible strategy, viable strategy, then the result is going to be hundreds of thousands of people in the street. So in the game itself, there is a lot of reading, there is a lot of researching, in. Taking place inside the game because the player plays the role of a strategies of a movement, and 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 in the game he needs to understand the environment, he needs to understand his own capacity and capability, and he needs to understand the opponent.
0: Right. I have to say, in the analytical steps, I felt like I was working on a class assignment or something, which may be more fun for some folks than it was <laughs> for me. But at, at some point, you start making choices among possible tactics. And and stuff starts to happen in the game. And I, I want to share uh, my experience. Uh, you pick a tactic, and you pick a character from your alliance to be in charge of that tactic, and then you submit it to the game. And then you set the calendar in motion to see how it plays out. So what happened to me, my scenario, by the way, uh, was a movement against a corrupt city official. I, I started by raising money from sympathetic sources, which seemed like a prudent first step. But almost immediately the corrupt city officials staged a well-attended government rally that, according to the press reports that come up in the game, had the effect of pulling more local support to his camp. And I have to admit, I kind of panicked. You know, I looked at the available tactics, and one was to put on a concert to accelerate enthusiasm for my cause. Well, I love concerts, so I said, OK, this will show him. I'll put on a concert. So I chose one of my virtual characters, a local radio announcer, to be in charge of the concert, and I set it to go about a week after the government rally and set it in motion. But when I read the press reports' accounts of it, it was a flop. It was <laughs> it was poorly attended because the game told me that the person I put in charge, this radio announcer, is disorganized to begin with. Plus, I didn't leave enough time to promote it or even craft a message to attach to the event. So talk about what I was being taught here by my experience in this part of the game.
1: Uh, well, the, the most important lesson there is actually... Uh, reacting is, 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 is a wrong uh, wrong strategy in general. Because, uh, you know, if, if a player reacts to what the computer is doing, is, uh, he doesn't have a strategy. He plays in the game, and I'll, I'll, I'll make a reference to the real world. He plays inside the strategy which was actually put forward by the, by the regime, in this case uh, doing a government rally and, and taking the offensive. So, in the in the reality, also a lot of opposition groups in countries where they face uh, different problems, they actually react to the things that are happening and the agenda that is set by the by the regime. And every time you are uh, reacting to events, uh, you are actually part of somebody else's strategy. So, the idea of a nonviolent movement, successful nonviolent movement, is to set the agenda and let the opponent react, because. It's, it's like when people play tennis, you know, it's, uh, you know, who, whoever makes, uh, the offensive on, on the tennis court, you know, the, the other player has to react to the moves and there is a higher chance of him making a mistake, which is exactly what happened with you in this, in this situation. You reacted to the government, uh, rally and, and their beginning of the campaign. The concert that you tried to create, uh, since it was a reaction, it, it needed to be done quickly, it wasn't well organized, uh, and, 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 and it turned into a flop.
0: Yeah, and that happens. And so after another failed tactic or two, the game suggested to me through one of my own characters that no one was getting our message. Citizens weren't interested. So I backed up and I put my most competent character in charge of crafting our message. And then the game comes back and tells me that the public is liking the message. So then... I chose a pamphlet distribution uh, scenario or tactic, which which went well, and I guess what I was learning is that I should have been doing all this before I even tried throwing a concert.
1: Exactly. This is a, this is another uh, component of the both the game and the overall experience about how to make a successful nonviolent movement is the the build up of the movement. How do you build up the momentum? And there are two components of it. First one is the internal that you by Growing your movement, you actually increase your capacity to do more and more tactics and to do tactics that that are much more difficult or much, much more risky, you know, which weren't possible in the beginning, but later they become. The second component is the – this is the internal one. The external one is how the movement is perceived by the outside – by the outsiders, by the general public and by the members of the opponent's camp. And here we talk about small victories – and so you know the the movement needs to have a lot of small victories in the beginning in order to gain credibility, and then later can can attempt to do more uh risky or more demanding or more costly tactics so in in the case of of you what you just said, creating a message was important so that you know people know who the movement is, what the movement is and what the movement fights for, but also uh, flyer distribution or or postering or, or or any kind of distribution of literature is a good start because it it doesn't really require that much. It's not so risky as some let's say street actions or or some kind of confrontational actions that may result in violence. But they do. Uh, bring uh, the increase of enthusiasm among the supporters because the message is out, and people talk about us and and now we have more recruits and now we have more people interested and We achieved a small victory by distributing the the, the flyers with our message, and we also increased our tactical capacity because now we have more people and they are much more uh, enthusiastic than before
0: right. You have more options and then, as you alluded to if you plan a protest march, the game's artificial intelligence. Offers a reaction from the government in this case, which can either arrest or shoot or ignore the protesters. So things can get pretty challenging, and and the game can present uh, some casualties that really cause uh, the movement to make some tough choices.
1: Exactly, and the the difference between like say the beginning of the game and the end of the game is that there essentially there are two th- main thresholds uh, in the regime. Uh, artificial intelligence the first threshold is the threshold of notice and uh, as long as the movement is below that threshold the the regime the computer doesn't notice its uh, activities and doesn't pay attention and and usually in this in this phase of the game uh, players usually do like tactics like recruitment or fundraising or trainings and 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 usually they're not noticed as soon as they go out in public and distribute flyers or or they do a street action or something like that, they go over that threshold and then, you know, the regime knows about them. And the regime, the the computer, actually monitors their, their actions. And then there is a next threshold, which is the uh, danger threshold. And this is where the regime feels threatened by the movement. And then, depending on how threatened the, the regime feels, uh, things can get really... Really ugly. And the regime can try to actually intimidate the members of the movements. If that doesn't succeed, to detain them, to arrest them. In a couple of scenarios where the regime is pretty brutal, we can see mass arrests or, or, or even murders of uh, movements, activists and, and, and members. And it is very important for the movement to create a capacity to sustain that blow when it comes in, the, in an earlier phase. And uh, that is achieved through uh, uh, increasing the nonviolent discipline of the movement. If, if they manage to maintain nonviolent discipline, then actually the, the violent crackdown backfires and the, and the regime loses legitimacy because of using force against peaceful demonstrators.
0: You're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm Paul Engels. Our guest is Ivan Marovic, one of the founders of the Serb Student Resistance Group, that helped remove former Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic from power, and he's part of the creative team that shaped the video game A Force More Powerful that simulates nonviolent resistance movements. I understand that one of your big roles in the game design was to introduce emotional variables like levels of fear and enthusiasm each character comes with. Tell me more about why that's important in nonviolent movements. I think you're Kind of getting to that in the point you're making right uh, now.
1: Yes, this is, this is very important because uh, in, in nonviolent movement, because of the, the need to include a lot of people in, uh, in the movement and because of the need not just to get their support, like political parties do, but to get their active participation, there is a need to think about the emotional component of the, of the social change. So it's not just, you know, that people support ideas that that they think are more credible, but it's actually that they're willing to struggle to get these uh, ideas come true. So enthusiasm actually is a some sort of a promotional emotion where people uh, actually, they can support the movement or they can support the regime, but if their enthusiasm goes up, they will more and more actively do things to... Uh, strengthen the their side, to strengthen the movement or, in the case of regime supporters, to strengthen the regime. The other emotion, which is also important, is fear, which also can be a motivator so that actually the supporter of the regime, uh, like a police commander, for instance, may not be as enthusiastic about the regime and actually doesn't care about the regime that much because of various reasons. And so his enthusiasm may be low. But still, because of the violent tactics by the by the movement, the same police commander can be, have a very high fear, and actually react and attempt a crackdown on the movement. Not because he was ordered by the regime, since his enthusiasm to follow these orders is not that high, but because he is afraid of the movement. and And in that sense, the movement also needs to lower the fear on on their side, but also on on, on the side of the opponent. So the so they, they're not perceived as a threat by the individuals that support the opponent
0: and in in the game each of the characters uh, sort of has a fear and enthusiasm thermometer or whatever a barometer so that you can uh, start by understanding you know where they fall on those continuous. exactly
1: exactly this is this is uh, you know uh, in the game the, the player can monitor the change of their fear over time and and see whether his tactics actually manage to Lower the fear or increase it. The same goes with enthusiasm and the same goes with the support levels.
0: Your colleague, Steve York of York Zimmerman, one of the design partners for the game, said that you all weren't really out to reform the game industry or make a statement against violent video games with a force more powerful. He said, in fact, that he wanted to replicate real-world situations. And he said something interesting. He said, our subject is waging conflict, not resolving it. Conflict without violence is a real option. Does he mean that nonviolent movements often do stir things up and, in a sense, create conflict?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that, that is pretty w- w- what is going on in many of these nonviolent movements. The problem is there. And uh, in, in all these societies, the reason why there is a conflict is because there is a problem that needs to be solved. And there is a group of people that doesn't want to see this problem solved or benefits from the, from the problem. So often people who want to see the problem solved, they are faced with a dilemma. If we stir things in the country and if we try to address the problem, if we try to fight for it, we are going to have a conflict with the people who are against it. So what all these successful nonviolent movements show is that actually conflict can be waged without lost lives and without destroyed families or without you know this kind of suffering it can be it can be waged and in that sense nonviolent conflict is a realistic alternative so we don't have a dilemma whether we fight or whether we continue to to suffer under the circumstances that, that are already there, but we have a dilemma whether we fight with the uh, violence or whether we fight with our smart, nonviolent strategies. And if we put a dilemma like that, then most people, if they see that nonviolent action can bring results without high cost, and not just that, but it can create the very stable result because the the whole society is involved in the in this sort of a conflict the nonviolent conflict actually tends to bring people on board and tends to make mass uh, broad-based coalitions of of different constituencies and as a result you have a much more stable and much more engaged society in the solution if we frame it like that then most people are going to go for a nonviolent conflict if they see that it works.
0: We should point out that the video game, A Force More Powerful, has its roots in a three hour PBS documentary series of the same name produced by uh, York Zimmerman Productions and broadcast in 2000. And then the film's uh, creative team followed up with a book all about nonviolent movements that did achieve big results throughout history. And so now the game of Force More Powerful has been out for about 18 months now. So who's using it, Ivan?
1: The number one users uh, of the game are activists who, uh, who want to kind of try out different strategies in the, on the computer before they try them out in the real world.
0: Are we talking about dozens of users or hundreds of users around the
1: We're talking about thousands of users. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about thousands of users so far. Uh, we're talking about thousands of copies and and the number of users is just our estimate from the feedback that we get the second uh, uh, group of people which is very interesting is uh, uh, members of the academia and usually political scientists or uh, people who are involved in the research of social movements and i believe that their their reasons are, are a little bit different and they want to probably you know look at some theories or look at some concepts from a different perspective, you know. It's like one thing is when you read case studies and the other thing is when you try to, for instance, make a scenario and try to see how it plays out in the, in the game.
0: Right. And, and I know it wasn't your goal from the start, but has it gained some popularity among average consumers who aren't trying to confront an oppressive regime but just looking for a good game?
1: Not as much as uh, it would if we decided to make it less complicated. But, you know, complexity of the game actually uh, reduced its appeal among the average consumer. But I have to say that there are people, there are not many of them, but they're really, let's say, hardcore strategy gamers who found this game interesting, not because they're interested in the nonviolent conflict or because they're interested in, in social movements or or politics in general. But they found this game interesting because it is very different from classic war games. And to tell you the truth, all the games today, or let's say most of the games today, fit into the several cliches. You know, shooters all look the same, uh, point-and-click adventures, they're already dying off, and there are RPGs who all look the same, role-playing games, and strategy games also. So... This is kind of a different uh, different game in that sense. So there are people who like to play video games who just play this game because it's different. It, it brings something totally new uh, to their computer screen. And that that was also something that, that we found that we liked, actually.
0: Well, and I've read that you like video games. You called yourself a gamer for 20 years before you got invited to work on this project. Is that right?
1: Yeah, since uh, 1984, when my parents bought me a Commodore 64.
0: <laughs> I'm curious about what your um, experience is as a nonviolent strategist uh, playing you know, a shooter game. Have you played those games? What's your experience like when you play mm-hmm. those? What do you think of those games?
1: Yeah, well, I, I personally don't like shooters that much. And if, if I play a shooter game, it has to have a really good story and shooting is not the, uh, <laughs> the, the crucial part of that story then. But my games were from the start mostly strategy games. These kind of games always uh, provide a better experience for, the, for, at least for me, because it's not just a mechanical uh, clicking in order to win, but it actually requires some thinking and some planning. And this is what strategy uh, is supposed to be. So in that sense, you know, what what makes for me, and I believe there are some other people, what makes a game interesting is not flashy graphics and and weapons and and violence in it, but actually the puzzle that needs to be solved. How do I get from here to where I want to be? And to, to my vision of, of the end. And so in that sense, uh, A Force More Powerful is, is, is a game which actually has only that. <laughs> it only has like a, a, it presents a player with a situation where he or she has to uh, find out the, the best way to get the desired goal with the lowest cost and the, and, and the biggest impact and uh, uh, without, without using violence.
0: As a gamer, do you share any of the concerns that some people speak of about the impact of violent video games?
1: I'm I'm kind of uh, think that the uh, violence in the society is uh, a very complex uh, problem, and I would I wouldn't blame uh, or give credit or whatever to any particular phenomenon that takes place in the society, whether it, these are movies or uh, video games or or anything else. The problem of, of, of violence, uh, of the use of violence in everyday life and in, in, and in political life and in social life in general, is because the realistic alternative to it is not explored and is not disseminated as I would like it to be. But on the other hand, if we talk about video games as a, as a particular segment of, of the society, if we look at what is out there, most people uh, say, you know, these are all violent games, these are all shooters, and, and this is the majority of the market. But you can see that there are very good successes of games that have no violence at all, which just shows that if people uh, do their best to, to try to offer the alternative, even if, even if we talk about gaming, you know, it actually brings results because people are interested in good experience, they're interested in learning while they play the game, they're interested in getting some conclusions. And if games can offer that, you know, people should be making more of these. Ivan
0: Marovic helped bring down the oppressive regime of Slobodan Milosevic in Serbia in the 1990s. Today he works with the International Center on Nonviolent Conflict, which helps human rights activists around the world organize democracy movements. And We've been talking to him today about the nonviolent strategy video game he helped develop called A Force More Powerful. You can visit the game's website as well as find other links on today's program at our website, peacetalksradio.com. That's peacetalksradio.com, where you can also hear all the programs in our series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. There you can also order CDs, sign up for a monthly podcast or monthly newsletter. And it's the place you can go to make a tax-deductible contribution to help protect this space on the radio and online for talk about peacemaking. Your donation in any amount will help us continue to produce these programs. Do what you can at peacetalksradio.com. We also had support from the McCune Charitable Foundation of New Mexico, the Oppenheimer Brothers Foundation, the Peacetales CD Project at peacetales.org, and from KUNM at the University of New Mexico. We had research and production support this time from Nola Daves-Moses and Kenna Josephine. Genevieve Russell and Gonzalo Rafat handle our website, Ali Adelman wrote and performed our theme music. Our program is produced by Good Radio Shows, Incorporated. I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening and supporting Peace Talks Radio.